What are you anticipating seeing, you know, amongst the New Zealand teams, given you've, you've given all that about the All Blacks? Uh, just so many good young players, mate. What we're not used to is for the lunatic to actually be the coach. <laughs> um, it's th That's the new territory bit. That's the new territory bit. Uh, the last time we had such a bold coach, I would hazard would have been Rod McQueen um, as a bold coach. Um, as a bold coach who did radically different stuff, who did things that we didn't quite see coming and we didn't really feel comfortable with at the time looking at, but but we went along with because, oh, well, you know, shit, yeah. The difference was with Rod McQueen, the lunacy wasn't rabid. Um, uh, the, the lunacy was just control. The lunacy was just stuff we hadn't seen before. Um, and it was stuff that got a result. Um, this was lunacy that we, funnily enough, from Eddie, we have seen before. This was lunacy that promised everything, and this was lunacy that delivered nothing. Well, and on that bombshell, look, I started recording about a minute or so ago, and I think we should play it so fast and loose that I probably would won't even do an intro and just not not even mess around. So I will simply say hello, everyone. You're, if you're a minute and something in. To this podcast, welcome to the Dropped Kickoff. I'm not even going to do an intro. I'm not even going to do the the Eddie intro. He's he, he's he's lost privileges uh, for that performance as a result of that. But uh, I am joined as usual uh, all the way from Leon Nathan Williamson himself. I believe if you're still still over there, uh, I, I believe I've heard that it is kryptonite to wear a gold jersey out on the streets there from several sources. Is this true? I look, I've seen a couple of brave sort of people wearing it, but God, there's not many. Put it this way. There was, you know, a steady amount on Saturday, grew on Sunday, not many on Monday. Far out. <laughs> did we did we get a shout? You know how you told us when you uh after the Argentina loss that you went and sat in the in the in the in the car park out at Combank Stadium and just shouted in your car. Did that happen again? Yes, yes it did. I understand. <laughs> Drove a nine PM game as well over here, which by the way, criminal. Don't know why they like love it in France, but if you tried that in Australia, you'd be done. Is by the time everything kind of, you know, peeling the curtain back. By the time everything's done over here, you know, your press conferences are done, your mix zones are done. It's about 2 a.m. when you finish, so you're kind of just sitting there, pondering what's what's happened and just really feeling empty about everything that's just transpired over the past seven days. Yeah, pretty much. The other gentleman that you can hear uh, making his debut on the Dropped Kickoff podcast is a gentleman that uh, a lot of folks on Gagger will know extremely well if you like your Tuesday chew. Uh, he's uh, He's been around the block for a little while. He is a mountain goat. He's a Wagga Wagga boy. He's a dirty red, which is how I know him. I've smelt this man's ass plenty of times before, and he has lifted me in a line out plenty of times before. It is the one, the only nutter. Mate, I'm so sorry that this is – We've been. you and I have talked once or twice about you coming on the pod. I am so sorry that it has to be this episode. Oh, look, thank you for the invitation. Um, come hook, crook or otherwise, here I am. Uh, if it took a, a calamity uh, of this sort of magnitude to open this door, well, hey, so be it. Well, it's a, it certainly is a calamity, isn't it? And, of course, to all of our listeners who probably are fully aware of it, will not beat around the bush. That calamity is a 40-6 to 6 loss uh, that, the, that the Wallabies sustained at the hands of Wales, led of Warren Gatlin's Wales. And as a result, they will probably, I mean, there's still a mathematical chance, which which is a complete outside, and I can see Nathan just laughing at me there, but they're, they're heading home. They're heading home after this weekend against, um, after their match against Portugal. I am lucky that I'm in the hands of two accomplished writers, on the podcast this evening, myself not so much, but you two gentlemen definitely. I was going so, to say, who are they, mate? Yeah. <laughs> You've joined the wrong call, mate. I know. Yeah. Whoa, just steady up a fraction. buddies over. Over your other job. But we'll start off by let's try. It's, it's hard to summarise how much crap just went wrong in this match. So, but now, but I'm, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put you both on the spot. I need a headline. If you're, you're writing an article, you're writing whatever the hell, and I'll throw to you first, Nutter, what is your headline to summarise this god-awful match we just watched? By Christ, that hurt, but it had to. Yeah. Um, uh, we're at a situation 
where, and to put some context around this, you know, I played my first game of rugby in, in the 1970s. Uh, I played my first game of senior rugby in the 1980s. Um, uh, and I'm still trucking. Um, and I have no, I make no pretensions about, you know, being any sort of hero rugby player. I, I really have been a middle grade, you know, club warrior the whole time. So looking at this from where I sit and looking at this from you know, ensconced in the heartland and looking up at, at what those in the, you know, fabled ivory towers get up to, um, this is an absolute disgrace. Uh, this is an absolute, yeah, to use the word we already use, calamity, but I don't want to let calamity make people think that it was an accident. Uh, an accident is when you trip over and spill a glass of milk. Um, this has been coming for 20 years. Um, it has arguably come, be coming for more than 20 years. And funnily enough, I'm, I'm going to sort of rein that back a little bit because I can feel the hairs on my arms already starting to come up. I'm that angry about it. Um, but the thing about it is that it's 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 been coming for 20 years and no one in a position of power, and by that I mean I'm pointing the finger squarely that those who sit at the top have done anything to stop what has been patently obvious to anyone that had eyes in their head. Let, let's just start. Let, let's really kick this off with with, cup, with pointing a couple of fingers where they belong. A lot of where a lot of what happened the other night came about because our lads were very very good at executing basic stuff. But then when they put themselves in a situation to actually attack, they didn't have a clue what to do. And I actually don't blame the players for that. Our players are, um, number one, it's not as though they go out on the field and they're not going to have a go or any of that guff about not respecting the jersey. That's a load of garbage. Um, those guys went out there and tried their absolute best. The issue was that they didn't know how to play that game. And they didn't know how to play that game because they lacked uh, both tactical leadership on field, but they've also been subjected to a system in this country where for over 20 years, they've been systematically trained to not play intelligent football. They've been systematically trained to not lift your chin and identify what's happening in front of you and adjust accordingly and put a defender under pressure and make a, make a choice like Bob Eyes Dwyer up football. say. Yep. Yeah. Bob Eyes Dwyer always say, make a defender, make a choice. Um, our lads for 20 years have been taught not to do that. Our lads for 20 years have been told to follow the formula, achieve these athletic metrics, have that dog walk in the door behind you, um, <laughs> and, um, and you know, do what they're told. Um, and this is this is what happens. It falls apart like this. What do you reckon, Nate? Hit, hit the nail on the hammer. Oh, whatever the expression is. I'm tired, mate. We get what you mean. It's cool. I, <laughs> I brain that much at this point. I can't actually put it together. Like this is, this is rock bottom. This is the only that like if you're looking for a headline, that's it. Something which you know people have, you know, said after certain losses. You know, oh, this is Australian rugby can't get lower. No, this is this is it. This is the point. It took a, they again. It's a team that just kind of went out there, and I've been trying to think back and think what the game plan was. I, I couldn't tell you. There was parts of the game where I thought it was the entire game plan was, does Marika have the ball? If he doesn't, does Mark have the ball? If they don't have the ball, circle back, get, get him the ball and just tell him to do something. 1995 New Zealand, just get Jonah the ball. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it's, look, you're not that far from it. From what I could see, if we're in our quarter, try and kick it out. If we're in the middle third, let's try and bomb it and hope we get a tap back. Let's try and get some sort of a line out or scrum in an attacking 22, and then maybe we'll think about then what we're going to do with it. Mm. Um, I, I think you're right. I couldn't identify a game. Uh, I, I really couldn't identify a, a game plan in there, but I haven't been able to identify a game plan in there for the last 12 months. Changes constantly. And I think, yeah, that's the disappointing. And, you know, seeing the body language drop, it, it did look like a team that just is running on empty. It, it looked like the I don't know what's happened over the past like I I mean I do know you know the pressure of everything there you know new coach coming in it just looked like the pressure of the last six months and all the turmoil that's been there weighed on a group which was you know it's the youngest in World Cup out of the World Cup teams and it looked just to have no energy when they ran out there in the second half something which we haven't seen at least you know talk. Talk to Dave Dave Rennie's record about you know forty percent winning rate, but they were they were at least yeah in those situations finding ways to 
you know, defend their line and stop points and keep themselves in games. These guys just came out and just looked. I feel for players. I, I dead set feel for players because having a yeah, watch them come through the mix zone. They looked shattered. They looked like shells of, of people. And you know, it's you can see it hurt. And it's just one of those ones which, yeah, I, I they just looked looked empty. I, I have no doubt what you're saying is true. And like I said earlier, you can't. I I don't. I'll speak for me. I can't speak for the rugby public. I don't blame the players. Um, yes, they were wearing the jerseys. Yes, they got their backsides handed to them. Um, but they did exactly what they were expected to do. They've turned themselves into people. They've turned themselves into athletes who look like condom stuff for the walnuts. Um, they've ticked all the right athletic KPI boxes, which, you know, by the way, if people are wondering what I'm talking about there, those same sort of KPI expectations around athleticism and such would have seen the likes of George Smith not even ever selected into a pathway, let alone make a Wallaby jersey. So we've got to ask ourselves some fundamental questions. The players did all the things that they've been expected to do and and stuff just fell apart around them. Um, so I sort of, I feel, an empath- I feel an element of sympathy for our players. I point a finger squarely at a coaching box and then I then ask myself, yeah, but hang on, why was the lunacy in the coaching box? Uh, the lunacy was in the coaching box because we didn't have any other choices to be a bloody coach. So therefore, I look at it's like the analogy I gave earlier on today. You can you can bag out the crew of the Titanic, but then you sort of look at the people who put the Titanic on that course and who laid the foundation. And you say, yeah, righto, folks, you don't get to hide, you don't get to duck behind what the disgrace of what is it, nine different chairmen and nine different CEOs in the past 20 years? Where's our leadership been? Where's our vision been? Where's our structure and our story and our come with us, guys, because this is what we're working towards? Where's all that been? Where's the where's the 40, 50-odd million bucks in cash that was left after the, the, the 2003 World Cup and Lions Tour? Where'd all that go? And where'd that leave us? So... I think it'd be really unfair if we just pile this on top of the players. Yeah, they lost the game. They own their bit. They missed the tackles. They fell over each other in lineouts and still threw the ball in anyway, you dumbass. At the same time, they Who put them there. That, Who they put were, them there? They were, yeah, what, what's that line from John Connolly? I don't blame you, son. I blame the dickhead who picked you. Mm. It's so funny. Like you're, I feel like we've dived straight into the second question, but it is, it's a connecting to 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 a headline to summarise this match. For me, it's just we have something like amazing Adelaide to describe uh, the 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 Ashes. For me, this is lamentable Leon. It was an absolute disaster. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong, and on top of it. It's an interesting point that you mentioned in your article as well, Nutter, uh, and also that I felt before the game almost wanted it to happen. Not on the scale that it did, but it was just like as... Uh, it had to. Yeah, because... And is that sadistic of me? But no, because it was it would be that you have to go through hell and we haven't gone through that hell yet. A quarterfinal would have been like, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're skirting the edge. This is hell. We've, we've hit it. It is rock bottom. It is hell. And you have to go through it at this point here to to actually really kind of come to terms and comprehend um, where all of this lack of investment or all this lack of support where all the stuff that we've been banging on about for God knows how many years has led us to. It has led us to, I want to and I emphasize this with quotation marks, tier two nations. And I feel like that's now just such a, uh, an offensive term because, and, and disrespectful to, to a country, a rugby nation like Fiji who are playing legitimately excellent rugby and will deservedly go through to the quarterfinals. Um, Or even the likes of a a nation like Georgia, um, just because they've been playing such great rugby. Uh, It's we're already losing to them. And now we are out of the pool stages for the first time ever. If this is not going to generate any sort of change or any sort of review, then nothing will. Then what will? Yeah, nothing will. Michael Hooper made an ex made a point uh, saying, you know, Eddie Jones is the hardest worker. He works so hard. He's he's up till two a.m. every day, working his ass off to try and make this team good. That's all very well and good, and I have no doubt that he is an incredibly hard worker. But we don't see that. I don't see that. 
Nathan might see, might see that, but that's because he works there. Uh, what we can, what we as fans can only do is take it at face value. We see the press conferences, we see the interviews, and we see the performances on the field. That's all we can. That's all we can write it off. And this team looked directionless, rudderless, and as, as Rob Kearney put it, outrageously poorly coached. How else can you put it? Nate, I've been talking too much. You talk. Uh, <laughs> The Fiji game plan was outpower of the most power, one of the most powerful teams in the world. This game plan just seemed to just fall apart, and it's again, it's a real shame. But I can't, I kind of tend to agree. Like I don't want to say like you know the cracks have been papered up because what 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 results have been papering that up? We haven't won a blood in two decades. We haven't won a rugby championship in about eight. You know, get beat by England, get beat by you know basically everyone. It's it's a situation where people got to look at themselves and people got to look at this situation. And the question is, I don't see the way out in the sense of Eddie's still a coach for four years. Like, mm. unless... I unless mean, he leaves. I, uh, yeah, I mean, do we bring up the Japan link now? Like, unless that happens, I don't say... I, he's going to be around and he's got to try and turn this around. You know, mm. we just hired a new CEO. You know, the, the chairman's um, has been, been put in place and, it's, you know, I think... The relationship between Hamish and Phil, I think, has been touched on pretty well. Now, they're close to each other, so you'd expect that kind of link to continue. Um, I think Hamish has said if he's not the right guy for the job, then he'll step down. But who comes in? Who's, you know, if you get rid of Eddie, if you get rid of Hamish, who comes in? I, there's not a obvious choice to, you know, all of a sudden blow this up and start again. Because I feel like that's all we've been doing is blowing things up and trying to start again. And we're at a point where, where it's it's rubble. The more things change, the more things stay the same. When when Eddie has, was talking the talk about, I've got a brand new young squad. I've got a new young squad. I've got a new uh, team that is, I'm going to take forward. I just And as the results started to slide, I realised we've been here before. This is Quade Cooper at the, after the 2011 World Cup. This is Noah D'Alessio during the Dave Rennie era. He, he literally brought a whole bunch of players in and created a new squad. Uh but the big difference between Dave and Eddie is that Dave didn't pretend to hide away from the fact that he was building something. He was open about it. He was honest about it. He mentioned it. And on top of it, even though the results weren't there, that team became a team that I was really proud to watch because, yes, they had a couple of real shockers. Like, of course, we can't we, we can't forget the, that they lost to Italy for the first yeah. time ever and that god-awful performance against Argentina uh, in, in Argentina in 2022. But then you'd have games like... They'd go to Dublin and lose by three, and then they'd go to France and lose by one, and then they would put on a five-match winning streak and beat the world champions twice in a row, once with a bonus point. There was something there in that team where I just could see that they were enjoying playing their rugby win, lose, or draw, and it was clearly just analysis of tweak or having a game plan, seeing what's up in front of you, and tweaking and messing and, and, and playing around with it. Dave Rennie would have gone further than this. I don't think there's any doubt that, that Dave Rennie's approach would have gone further than this. Um, <clears throat> I was actually just thinking this afternoon that it wouldn't be because it would be outside of character. But if Eddie Jones actually had have come out at some stage and said, listen, I'm here for six years. Uh, we're going to do the absolute level best we can do at this World Cup. Uh, but it's a young squad. We're trying to build something um, we're actually building towards the home World Cup in you know in in, in five years time. Uh, we're building towards the British Nine Lions Tour. So guys, bear with us because uh, this might be a little bit ugly, but I, but this is what we're building towards. Um, there would have been all sorts of people with all sorts of vested interests who'd screwing the house down. But at their heart and soul, folk like myself, who are you know the the, the sausage turner, weekend warrior, bus driver, line marker. Um, you know, weekend warrior type, the, the the fabled grassroot player that everyone likes to talk about, we would actually quietly look at that and go, yeah, okay, yeah, All right. I'd agree with um, that. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll we'll we will go with you because to be really frank, I'm tired of the Parramatta Road used car salesman bullshit um, that we've been fed along the way by others. So uh, look, this is novel. Um, we'll go with you on this journey. Now, funnily enough, to your point, Nick, that's that's what we were getting out of Dave Rennie, and that's why folk were were wild after we lost. And I, and 
hand up. We were wild after we lost to Italy, but we could sort of get it. Mm-hmm. Um, this, uh, so uh, let, let's once again, let's point a few fingers where they belong. Uh, an, out, an outrageous amount of money gets paid to Israel Folau. Why? Because basic governance garbage wasn't covered off like it should have been in the first place. 101 professionalism and yeah, you know, let's not have any stupid stuff on social media clause. Um, so okay, we, we oh, okay, well, we'll get through that. Then we get to oh look, let's sack Dave and let's pay out Dave. Yeah, right, okay. Now let's hire another crisis situation coach because we're going to sack Dave because we want to hire this bloke who's in the pawn shop window from England because everyone wanted to get rid of him there. Because, by the way, they've realised 15 years later what we realised 15 years ago. Okay, so let's hire this one. Um, it's just been such a – just a rolling cavalcade of garbage where our supposed leaders of our game continue to treat people such as us down here in the grassroots as though we are dead-set idiots. Every now and again, somebody will roll out from on high and say, oh, you don't understand what it's like to be up here at the top uh, you don't understand how it needs to be top down, trickle down. Um, sorry, guys, but last time I checked, we were the ones who were actually paying the bills. Um, this sounds to me like classic banker speak. You know, when when we've had the last couple of world financial crises and bankers turn around and go, look, it's okay. We've been playing with everybody else's money in the meantime, but now that's turned to shit, we'll turn around and get you taxpayers to bail us out because we've shanked it, but you can fix it. That's okay. It's another situation where the grassroots player, through their subs, through their tolerance, through their wishful thinking foolishness, through their pointless adherence to the golden glory days of the 90s when we could actually do something, is being yet again exploited to cover up the failings of, I'm sorry, pinheads who really shouldn't be there based upon the fact that they haven't been able to deliver the snake oil they've been promising. So if somebody was to actually step up, and I'm going to toss a name into the hat here, into the ring here, I should say, if somebody was going to step up and say, hey, Twiggy, you want to come and have a look? Hey, Twiggy, remember that offer of $50 million we threw back in your face? Hey, Twiggy, (laughs) remember that time that you offered to set up a professional outfit in Western Sydney, and we laughed at you. And I think it was um, Andrew Hoare told told everybody that, oh no, we've got grand plans for Penrith. Um, you know, where is the new inspiration going to come from? So, to a large extent, Nick, I've got to go back and say, to to an extent, I agree with you because where is the fresh blood going to come from? Um, yeah. I'm reasonably certain the Scott School third 15 has only ever had so many players. So surely we must reach the end of that list at some stage. Um, but aside <laughs> from that, where, where is, um, I'm sorry, Nate, I know that probably makes you uncomfortable. I beg your pardon, buddy. Um, but, uh, but as a guy, you know, as a guy who went to a no name school, uh, who has no GPS mates or, or otherwise mates who has no, no skin in the in the in the shoot shield there you go Nate's just hung up and gone um <laughs> poor bugger. Uh, he can't be associated um as somebody who's growing up a, as a lifetime country player on the outside looking in there, there's got to be a new inspiration come from somewhere yeah yeah I, I completely agree and so as a result of all of this now, we have to kind of ask, I mean, I feel like we've pretty much covered all the key takeaways from the game and also the key takeaways of just how much everything is completely fucked in every way, shape or form. So now let's ask the serious question. Um, and I kind of, it's funny, I did an article about this in in the Raw publication, which I know uh, every single Gaga person will shut up at the, at the mention of that name. Uh, <laughs> um, but I kind of said in this article, that we are, they've talked about the golden decade forever for the last couple of, you know, for, for God knows how long. But let's be honest, this is the most critical decision of this decade, potentially ever, for Australian professional rugby that we are faced in front of us right now. With a current record of 12.5%, one win, what, and I'm going to throw this, I'll throw this to you first, Nathan, because I know that you have to be a lot more measured in this uh, in this regard. What the fuck do we do about Eddie? That is a very good question. And honestly, one 
I've been trying to think what's the answer because the reality is, I, it's a I think he's still got four years left in his contract. I don't think Rugby Australia can afford the payout to pay out when they've just paid out Dave Rennie, when they've just paid out um, Andy Marinos. That's a lot of money to be paying to Easy people. Easy for Lau. Easy for Lau. You know, there's a, that's a lot of money to be paying. Is Swali coming in 25? There'd be no money for anything else. So unless this whole Japan um, story is true, and let me like my two cents on that is I like I know I know Tom decent well enough to know he won't put something out if he does if he isn't a hundred percent sure that this is true. So I, that, that story about Eddie interviewing with Japan, I, I will, would believe Tom 100% from a journalist's perspective. That could be the only way he, I think Eddie leaves. I don't think he resigns. I don't think he gets sacked. But if he's already looking for Japan, that might be the best option. In, in the case of who would come in and replace him, I don't know. I, my, my first instinct was um, Stephen Larkham. You know, being the Wallabies assistant, gone overseas, kind of come back a more measured man, but even still, is is that the best option? Like I don't I don't say being a a Kiwi or you know like a Jamie Joseph or something like that. I think if they're gonna pick someone else other than Eddie, it's it's gonna have to be an Australian if we're being realistic. And outside it, if it's not Stephen Larkham, he's only just coming into the Brumbies, just finding his feet back. I don't know who else takes it. So if I had to be realistic, I think Eddie's in here for a long roll, a long haul, barring his barring his own exodus. So I think it's just this is going to be a case of he's got to find a work, you know, find a way to work with these players because clearly, you know, one from eight isn't good enough and it's not delivering the results that he's intended. It's and that is a, and that is a tough pill to swallow because if you look at what's happening here and if you look at what's uh, what has been delivered thus far, this is where things are going to go. What does that say? Because the, the runway is right now. You have less than two years until a Lions tour. This is the start of these three key events that are going to be a serious windfall for the game. Is this the considering what we've seen in front of us so far? And not only that, the way that he's been conducting himself. And none of you alluded to this a little earlier, but I feel like a lot of us rusted on fans who have been stubbornly loyal to this game getting a bit pissed off, to be honest. Uh, yeah, in case, <laughs> in, in, in case you missed it, yeah. Um, little bit. Little bit. It, it, in terms of Eddie, you don't get to quit. Um, uh, I'm not sacking you because I'm not paying you out and I'm not accepting a resignation. Um, you stay. Uh, and if you walk out, I'm pursuing you for breach of contract, uh, number one. And And by the way... Same for you, McCamish. Um, you don't get to walk out on this shit fight either. Um, you're here. And your, your point is, is clear. We've got, you know, whatever it is, we've got a couple of years to a British and Irish Lions tour. Um, and then we've got a domestic uh, uh, a World Cup straight after that. And we've been through a, 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 roving, a rolling door. Um, we've been through enough of the turnstiles of so-called leadership in the last 20 years. So, no, boys, you're here. Um, and you see through what you started, and you eat some humble pie. Now, let's just say somebody did get totally off the reservation and Eddie was removed from the situation for whatever reason. Um, if that was to come to pass, if Eddie was, by the finger of God, somehow no longer here, um, funnily enough, I would dead set eat crow. The first thing I would do, what I, I would ring up Dave Rennie would be the first thing I would do. And at the very least, on behalf of Australian rugby, I'd offer him an apology before I'd ask him if he wanted to have a conversation about a return. That's the first thing I'd do. Bearing in mind, he would th- take the apologies and say, you know, yeah, thanks, mate. No, thank you. In, in which case, yeah, okay, cool. But I'd at least maintain some dignity by doing that first. My second phone call would be a toss-up between you and Mackenzie and David Nusifora. But it either be now one we're or the talking. Other. Uh, oh, but it'd be, yes. but it, it'd, it'd either be one or the other one in pretty quick succession. Um, it'd then be followed by a phone call to what's his name, friend, Andy, friend. Yep, Andy, friend. Yeah, Connor. He wants um, to come back. He wants to come back as well. And, on that topic, yeah. And in and amongst all of that, 
my next phone call after that would be to ring up Brad Thorne and say, hey, do you want to be my forwards coach? Because he hasn't got much else to do either. No. Um, so, you know, I'm reasonably certain, um, and I know this is pie in the sky, and I know no one would ever do it because they're not me. Um, but once again, I'm, I am the fabled grassroots warrior looking up at the numb nuts above me. Um, but to those of us who exist in the world where we exist, where you actually do have to own what you've done, uh, as opposed to, you know, blame the taxpayer and get them to bail me out, um, those would be my first couple of phone calls. So, Eddie, no, you don't get to quit. I'm certainly not sacking you because I'm not paying you a cent. Um, you're working out what you said you'd come and do. I'm actually going to hold you to your word. Uh, and same with you, McCamish. Um you get to stay and see this through. Uh, and, and for all time and for all history, you get to have your names written all over it, good, bad, or otherwise. If Even if for no other reason than it stands there as an exemplar to any other bugger who ever steps into the shoes to say, no, you don't get to come in here and screw me over and walk out with a payout. You don't get to walk out after 12 months, two years, and continue your career somewhere else. Every now and again, that that chicken comes home to roost. And this is one of those times. Amen. The reality is, if you want to kind of have this perception, you want to keep saying, I'm building for 27. I want to get there. All right, cool. Stick with it. I, Show but me. Be, be, I, also, be honest. Did you meet with Japan? Yes or no? Just, just let me know. That like that's what people are just trying to figure out. Because if the if the if the story's true, and I, once again I, I back Tom, and he's met a couple of days before they've left for um they've left for France, then had a go at journalists beforehand of being too negative, just tell us why. Simple as that. I I'm not asking for much. I'm asking for why. Yep. Why would you meet with him? Is that you know I know he's linked with Suntory. I know he's you know held in very high regards in Japan. All I'm, all I'm asking for is just, just why? Simple as that. Mm. I, don't, I like, I can, I can accept that, you know, he might, might have been uncertain about his future, but you, you've committed here for four years. Why, why are you looking somewhere else? That's, that's it. Nathan, don't, don't, you're entirely correct, and, and funnily enough, I'd actually be okay with that. If, if these guys came, came knocking because Japan came and asked Eddie's opinion on who do you think we should talk to about being our next coach, Eddie? Um, hey, Eddie. We've got a problem with X, Y, and Z. You're not going to be doing much between the end of the World Cup and Easter. Do you want to come and do a consultancy gig? Um, hey, Eddie, we've got these problems. You, you've you trodden the, the, the road plenty of time between Western and Japanese culture and coaching. We've got you know, issue X, Y, and Z. It really could be, it could be that innocent. I doubt it, but it could be. Um, hey, Eddie, Eddie's feeling uncomfortable, so Eddie's feeling around to make sure he's got a security blanket. I understand that. I've got three kids and a mortgage. I get it. Um, every you know, I've I've been with my employer for a bit over five years. Does that mean I've never interviewed somewhere else because somebody rung me up? No. Um, let's not let, let, let's not tell lies about that. But when stuff like this comes out, and to your point, mate, uh, uh, when stuff like this comes out, not answering is actually worse than answering. Yeah. yeah. You can be angry at a poor performance, but. Or, or, or is one thing, but if you're feeling gaslit, and then if you feel like someone's gonna, you're gonna back away as a result, that makes it much worse. And that me, and that means that the those rusted on fans, those rusted on supporters will have dirt on you now. They'll they'll be dirty on you now. They'll see that as a bad, as a as a something that I don't trust this bloke. It does he actually have our interests at heart? Does he Look, actually genuinely want Australian rugby to do well? Because if he, if he jumps ship, if he jumps ship, then the – remember that bloke in last year? I was just thinking – that's exactly remember what that? I was about to say. Remember old mate who called him a traitor over the fence? Mm. Now, I'm not supporting you know, old mate calling him a traitor. No. But funnily enough, the crowd swung with Eddie when he turned around and said, oh, don't you talk to me like that, blah, blah, blah. You're an idiot. And everyone actually went to Eddie's defence and said, oh, geez, mate, that's a bit harsh. He, he's just earning his living. He's just doing your job. Mate, I couldn't agree with him more. That was exactly the same person that was going through my head. Mm. And 
the reality as well, this, this Japan link started, you know, I saw stories about this early in the World Cup, which kind of people just kind of put to the side of, oh, that wouldn't happen. No, he's not. He's, you know, that's fine. Like, he's he's not, he's focused on Australia. He's serious. The fact that this, 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 so this hasn't come from nowhere. This has been something that he's been linked with. It's a case of just, t- just be honest. If you, you want to say, sit there and go, you know, I'm committed to Australia. Did you have a meeting with with Japanese rugby? I don't know what you're talking about. Just, just, just don't know. That's no. what, like, like you know, I'll, I'll stick up for my journalist comrades. It, you know, you ask the questions. It's very simple, yes or no. That's all, all we, all we want to know, and that's all fans I think want to know as well. Was it, was the timing of the story right? Probably not. But that's ultimately, you know. That's probably down to the decision of an editor of when to drop it and when to maximise their own clicks. Because after all, they're looking out for their own backs. They've Correct, got their own backs. Correct, mate. They've got a job and a mortgage and three kids too. Exactly. So that's the thing. Everyone's trying to sort of reach their own KPIs and their goals. So you can't blame the them for dropping it when it is. It's just uh, if I, I get through this Portugal game and afterwards, you just answer just answer it honestly. Simple. And on that, let's let's go to this last game because as much as we would all want to run away with our tail between our legs now and just go, you know what, let's take the L and get out of here and accept it. We have one game left uh, with no result. And, and on top of it, it, adding to that point of how absolutely devastated those players are looking, uh, we're feeling after that game. I mean, I wanted to give Paul Bob Bellantini a hug. I wanted to give Nick Frost a hug because I knew that those boys were trying and I knew that they cared. Now you've got to dust yourself off and play a Portugal team that is actually not that bad. Like this, this is a team that drew with Georgia and looked ve- and looked very, very solid. Yes, it might only be their second World Cup, but this is the World Cup. They got there through qualification. They're not terrible at footy, and it would be wrong to assume that you can just walk over it, walk over them, and, and be the and be the end, be the be all and end all. Remember 2015, Springboks in Japan? How did that go? That's right. So if that's the case, you are in the Wallaby camp, and Nutter, I'll throw to you for this one first. It's similar to coming up against a, you know, we've just been flogged by, you know, 30 or 40 by, you know, some club out, some club in subbies, Mm. and now we're coming up against a shit club who we we are probably favourites to win, but we've been hurt. What does success look like for the Wallabies in this Portugal game, if anything? What, what, what are we? What can? What is the best case scenario for us? I know why you've signed to me because you've heard me give this speech before. I certainly have. Yeah, um, and it's 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 something that I've said to blokes a lot of times um, in the past. Um, is that we are nothing more than caretakers of a jersey. Um, we are nothing more than the guys who happen to be lucky enough to be given a jersey which has been invested in and built and put together over years and years and years and years. And I am here to hold it in trust for those who will wear it after me. So what do I say? Um, I often talk about how how a jersey will come together as a fabric. Um, it'll come together as a fabric of a club. It'll come together as a fabric of an organisation. And every time you pull on a jersey, you will add a stitch to the fabric of that jersey. Whether you like it or not, you have no choice. The simple fact that you pulled it over your head means that you have taken what has been built for you by those that went before and you are about to put an indelible, unremovable mark on that jersey that will be there for all time. So... The only question that remains is what sort of a stitch is it going to be? Is it going to be a stitch that is worthy? Is it going to be a stitch that is, that is prideful, that is, that is something that can be held up and emulated and, and, and looked at with, with pride? Or is it going to be something that just embarrasses the snot out of you and you wish you never did? Because you're doing that for those that come after you because they're the ones you're going to hand it on to. You, you are just a part-time trustee. So what does it, what does it look like? Uh, for our next opponents, for me, um, at this point, win. Funnily enough, it's just that, just win. 
because I realize I'm no longer talking to a tier one nation. Um, I realize that I'm now talking to a really hurt bunch of fellas, but I would also there be reaching out and touching their professionalism um, and even beyond professionalism, because bugger it, I'm an amateur, but even I've got some pride. I'll be reaching through and, and touching that pride to say, hey, listen, what is your mark on this jersey going to be? What is this stitch in this jersey going to be for the last time you pull it on in this tournament? For a lot of you, frankly, the last time you'll ever pull it on. So what's your stitch in this jersey going to be? Because you're going to bloody well leave one now and you better hope to Christ and you better hope to me that what you leave in this jersey is actually worthy of leaving behind because this is what you will be judged by after the debacle that's gone before. Okay, the debacle's happened and we've heard this sort of, you know, this sort of guff before, but I actually believe in it. You now actually have to stand up. You actually now have to stand up and be part of something and represent not only yourself, but what you're standing there in. So, righto, you've got a match to play. You've got a match to play against, you know, who is it? Um, uh, uh, Portugal. Portugal, who, who put together an outstanding second half against Georgia. Um, uh, those guys play with a hell of a lot of pride. They've got nothing to lose. If you ever want to find a really dangerous opponent, it's, a, it's an opponent that's got nothing to lose. Imagine what the scalp of the Wallabies would look like on the Portuguese clubhouse wall. So, boys, um, for, for, for goodness sake, I'm stopping myself for swearing, um, be conscious of the history that you're pulling on. Be really conscious of, of what's gone into building this jersey um, and be conscious of the stitch you're about to put in the fabric of this jersey to then hold and trust and hand on to the guys that come after. If nothing else, I don't care if it's by backward field goals off your heel you will win this match. Aside from that, um, I can't bear to think about what would happen if we lost to the likes of Portugal. Yeah. How do I follow that? Far out. That was, I'm going to run through this now. I'm going to go straight through my hotel room. That was, in, that was incredible. So, hey, I've, heard, I've heard that speech a, a couple of times. and uh, Variations I'd, thereof. Variations thereof. Uh, and... It's uh, it never ceases to to run to put the the back of your hairs up, and it makes you want to run out onto onto Dremoyne Oval and beat the absolute shit out of whoever's in front of you. It's and honestly, I'm I'm sorry that I'm and, I, and I'm sorry Nathan that uh, that you have to follow up that question, but where else do you go? How else do you finish this? Do you do you lie down? And accept it, or do you pick yourself up when you're at that lowest point and win? I worry about the mental scars this leaves the last two weeks. This is, as I said before in my headline, this is rock bottom. The only way you get through rock bottom is that first step. This is it. And, you know, Nadia, you can say, you know, just a win. I, I want to say a comfortable win. Like, this is Portugal we're talking about. This is, you know, I, I yeah I understand they've improved I understand where they've gone but I want to see this Wallabies team come out I want to see 80 minutes of frustrations I want to see 80 minutes of that hurt that they showed after the game I want them to just unleash it on this Portugal side I want them running over people I want them flattening them in defence I want them just to and sort of a release of anger and frustration and something which you can look back and go geez where was that or geez all right. That that's what we've been missing. That's what we can build off. Something that just says, as you as you touched on, that pride in the jersey, that real fight, that real sort of marker you can lay that says for the next four years we can still believe that this is something. Because if we if the worst happens and if we struggle against Portugal, it does not matter if we if even if we struggle against Portugal, people are going to say, what's happening with this sport? There we are. There already you know. We yeah. are properly in asylum times right now. So and then this needs to be a comfortable win. This needs to be a a course settler at the very least so that you can go back to 24, you know, we go back to focusing on super rugby, you know, go, you know, prepare for 25, the Lions to it, and we have something that we can just hold on to. Not even hold on to, just something that kind of breaks the cycle, potentially, takes that first step out of, literally being knocked into the canvas because that's the thing that's what we're taking where we're day it's where you know the boxer that's being knocked out 
the boxer doesn't come out straight away and throws the, the haymaker that wins in the fight. Sometimes you just got to step off the canvas, and this is it. I just need to him get off the canvas and go again. See, funnily enough, Nate, for me, I, I, I feel so strongly for the players in this that I actually feel they've been betrayed by their own coaching team. So funnily enough, I would actually be reaching out to the likes of Will Skelton uh, and I'd be reaching out you know, to the likes of whoever of the of the umpteenth guys that have been made captain during the last bloody 12 weeks and say, hey, listen, lock the door, shut the door. Eddie doesn't get to come anywhere near. The rest of this pack of bloody chess playing, netball playing, um, skydiving specialists who know bugger all as far as I know about my game, they don't get to come in a shed. Shut the door. Because, guys, there's 23 of you fellas who've got to do something to restore your own pride. Bugger the rest of it. Like, really unlock a siege mentality on this one. We have been so betrayed, we have been so hung out to dry that I don't even want to hear from my own coaches. Lock the door, shut the door, lads. Pick your 23 from... Go... Um, uh, what was that great book where the kids got, got left on the island with no adults and they had to chase the pig and kill the pig? Lord um, of the Flies. Lord of the Flies. Go proper Lord on the Flies, lads. Shut the door. Pick the best 23 amongst yourselves. Invest in yourselves. Invest in your own self-respect and professional future and do this yourselves because that'll be something you'll remember for all time. That'll be something that'll go down in an annal of history as something worthwhile to come out of the absolute in otherwise debacle that was this World Cup. For me, show some dog. Matt Williams uh, was over in Irish, uh, in the over on Irish TV, and talking to that panel. Yeah. yeah. And he said yep. that he was that the team just kind of after that after that second score in the second half that when Wales just basically run away with it, they gave up. Um, you can lose by thirty or forty points, but you can hold your head up high if you said I did. You can be beaten by a better side, but never say never give up just keep trying like it doesn't don't give up show the dog i want fight um and they've got it in them this is a side that only a few weeks ago took a new zealand side all the way in new zealand yep this is a side that took the number one team in the world ireland all the way in dublin this is a side that has won back-to-back games against world champions you are good enough if you believe in yourself that's it show some dog show some fight and i know that they have <sighs> I, I still feel really badly though that we're actually piling this up on top of that play group um because i i feel badly that, that, that we put this weight of expectation on these fellas to take a shit sandwich that's been handed to them by those above them. And we're saying, hey, fellas, eat this as well as you can to make us feel better. Mm. Um, I really feel for this group. Um, I know I know that in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to probably write a really scathing article about the number of playmakers that have just been over-promised, over-invested, turned out to be not everything that everybody wanted when they weren't ready for it, and then chucked on the heap five minutes later. I'm going to go all the way back to, I don't know, Brock James would be a good place to start. And we're going to come all the way back through for the likes of Quade Cooper. Uh, we're going to come all the way back through for the likes of James O'Connor. Yeah. Um, Kurtley Beale, I'm on the fence about because I find it difficult to talk about him. Um, I'm going to be talking about Donaldson. I'll be talking about Loliso and I'll be talking about um, uh, old mate Flash Gordon. Of all these guys who've just been piled up with a horrendously stupid weight of expectation who had absolutely no chance of living up to the weight that had been placed on their shoulders. And then, hey, surprise, when they didn't, we chuck them on a heap. Yeah. Um, and it's atypical of where this mob of wallabies find themselves now. So I feel for these guys. and I really hope they pull it together. And I hope they put on a performance that they will remember. Mm. Do it to a certain extent. I don't even care about me. No, um, I don't I, care I about you. Yeah. I, yeah. I want them to put on a display that in 20 years, in 40 years' time, when they walk into a pub, they'll see some other bloke who no one remembers because it's rugby, and they'll sit and have a laugh together and say, hey, shit, do you remember? And th that's why I sort of say, hey, boys, lock the doors. Do it for yourselves. Put a stitch in a jersey that's worthy of remembering and do it for yourselves. 
Yeah, and I couldn't put it any better than that. Uh, and I'm not. And you know, it's that's where we are right now. And what you can do is when you're in a, in a situation like this and you've been served a shit sandwich like this, you pick up and you go. So let's finish off this pod. Let's finish off this this dump, dumpster fire of, of, of a World Cup, a dumpster fire of a year, frankly, because, I mean, there's other countries in the world playing rugby. There's a lot of other great players out there playing rugby. And aside from the Wallabies, this World Cup has been fascinating to watch. And this weekend that we just saw was fascinating to watch. Um, there is too much rugby to cover in uh, in one go. But Nathan, I will throw to you first. Outside of the Wallabies, outside of pool fucking C, what has really stood out to you from another team this weekend, from this last weekend of rugby just gone? I think how legit Ireland is. This isn't a team that is going to get not like. That could be a bold take, but I'm going to go with it. This isn't a team that's going to get knocked out in the quarterfinal. This is a this is a legit team. This is a team that can go all the way. They have that fight. They have that flair. And they've taken it to South Africa, and they basically got an arm wrestle with them and have come out on top. It's, it's so fascinating to see how they've developed under Farrell and are now embracing the pressure of a World Cup and delivering. You know, it's yes, it's going to be a tough quarter. It's going to set up an awesome quarterfinal with New Zealand, but the way these Irish are playing is, I think, there's something special about them. Yeah, I, I, I was you, you beat it to me because I had the pleasure of covering this game live, and it was a joy to watch because it was a case of no quarter, no holes barred. There were some hits there that hurt. In that game, they beat the shit out of each other. South Africa and Ireland did. They knew the significance. They knew the importance of that of that of this match, and um, they the, some of the hits that I saw put the fear of bloody God into me watching it. Uh, and it, those are two teams that are playing at their peak. And that if that's a moment that if that if there isn't a moment that says if the if the rugby gods again and I, I've said it last week and the week before and I'll say it again if the rugby gods are true and we are going based on form it has to be France and Ireland in this grand final because those are the two teams that are really standing out right now and they are the teams that when it comes to the joy of rugby moving it away from the national side they are a team that I think is a pleasure to watch this game was fantastic. I love as well how well South Africa played. I mean, apart from their god-awful kicking in that second half, how many leaving 11 or 12 points out on the park, a margin that they could have won by. But it was such a magnificent game to watch. Proper atmosphere, intensity, physicality, what the best of 2023 international rugby can look like. And the best part was it was a good old-fashioned arm wrestle. That's what I loved about it. Nada, what stood out to you? I'm, I'm a bit more of a romantic. Um, I like I like the obscure because that's where the poetry lies. I knew South, like we all knew, South Africa and Ireland would be a ripper of a match, and so it proved to be. Um, yeah, the, the matches I remember the most throughout my life, whether they be international or actually played in, are really obscure things that no one saw coming. Um, so you know, like when Japan knocked over South Africa. Um, you know, um, I would have loved to have seen the 1973 Tonga beat Australia in in at the SCG. Like I, 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 even though it hurt like crazy, I loved it in 2011 when Samoa beat Australia before we went to the World Cup. Why? Because no one saw it coming. Um, a match that you know, my favourite cup of the 2003 World Cup in Australia was when I went to watch Ireland play Namibia. Because <laughs> I've always been a fan of the obscure. Because um, you just don't see it, and, and and the match that I've loved so far was uh, yeah Georgia Portugal um, last weekend. If you haven't seen it, go and get on stand and go and watch it. Particularly watch that second half. Um, it was just the joy of rugby. It, it was just absolutely gorgeous to watch. You know, grizzled, bad-tempered Georgia um, go up against the the Taylor Swift pretty boys of Portugal. Um, and somehow, um, you know, Portugal managed to claw back 
not their first win in a World Cup. They pull back a draw. Um, you would have thought, thought the buggers had won the World Cup. <laughs> um, their their uh, coaching it, staff, their coaching oh. staff. Could, I could have that, watching that 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 the coaching staff of the Portuguese national side. If that does not bring a tear to your eye, uh, seeing how over the moon they were for their team that they had worked with, you are dead inside if you oh, don't look it, at that it's, and it's be the, inspired. It's the reason why we like our game. You know, it, it, it's the reason why our game is what it is. Um, so yeah, look for me, absolute match of the, match of the tournament so far by far and away, um, because you know everyone knew the other matches would be good. This one was the one that no one saw coming, and that's what made it so fantastic. Um, so yeah, for me, certainly Georgia versus Portugal, it was just poetry. Just on that, I think we've got another one of these this week with Argentina Chile. Possibly, absolutely. Yeah. This is local derby stuff. Um, I think I've got the write-up for Gagger on this one, and I was careful to, to make sure because this this could get really down and into it. Like this could get really shit fight ugly. Um, this will be this will be on. This will be tooth nail and boot stud. Uh, <laughs> the, the only thing I could think of that would be better was if Samoa played Tonga. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Imagine. Uh, so, it's, no, I think you're right there, Nate. I really do. It's just going to be one of those ones, which even if the game ends up in a blowout, you know for the entirety of the 80 minutes, it's just going to be a wall of noise and a wall of passion. And, like, even just those anthems beforehand, when you, like, oh, we on? Every, every player is going to be in tears. Yeah. And it's going to be awesome. We're going to – we've been talking about this, but this South American derby for God knows how long, haven't we, Nate? I think, like, it's the one that we've – I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. I'm looking forward to that one because it's not just a an indication of of how quickly the uh, of how quickly the rugby is progressing in South America, but the fact that there's three teams there and two of them are playing each other and it's big brother playing a little brother. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, it's been perfect. We'll finish off what's been you know I've I've found this quite. Satisfying. I found this quite cathartic, rather, uh, a listen and a good chat. We, uh, we've we had a rough week. We've had a rough couple of days. Um, of course, there, we hope for a Portugal win. Uh, we hope for a, sorry, for, a, for a Wallabies win, rather. God, God, you can tell, you can tell I've, I've, I've gone through a lot the last 48 hours. Uh, but to, of course, we hope for a Wallabies win, but there will be that sadness that, that this yeah. is, that this will be the last moment. What's the beverage that w- of choice that we will use to drown our sorrows for uh, once the pool stage comes to an end and we will see no more wallabies for the rest of the year? Jim? I have a load of wood out the back by my fire pit uh, and I have two unopened bottles of Irish whiskey ready to rock and roll. Um, uh, Irish whiskey out of respect for the fact that those are the guys who should win. Mm. Um, and two bottles because I know I'm going to finish at least one. Uh, and my family know it's best to leave me out by that fire pit uh, and just just get through the pain. Amen. Nathan, I know you are probably going to have to maintain some sort of professionalism at this match being uh, because the job is not yet done for you. First of all, are you going to be coming home early with the team as a result of this? And secondly, uh, will we see Nathan Williamson on tour in the French countryside, having a nice good old time drinking some wine? And to answer your first question, I'm lucky enough to be following the World Cup till the end at this point. So that's a that's a big positive. So I'm, if anyone can recommend me a bandwagon to hatch myself to, please, or all ears. Fiji. Um, Fiji. Get, like, get on Fiji. That's what I say. Fiji or yeah. Ireland. Get behind the Fijians or Irish. That sounds like a great idea. So the joy of the way this World Cup works out, Arthur's Portugal game, there's a week of no Australian games. I'm going to go take myself away down somewhere south in France. Gonna, I've still got enough duty-free that's going to, you know, keep me going for seven days. I'm just going <laughs> to sit back and kind of just process what's just happened over the past six weeks because, God, I think I need some time just to kind of process it all. And the reality is that there's still a technicality. If, if Georgia pulls off a miracle win, that they we still could be alive. From an Australian perspective, yeah, but we should could, we? It's it's not, but you know. Yeah, but should exactly. we? If it came up, I'm, hey, I'll ask the question. If it came up, 
would you accept it? Yeah, I think I I think that's part of you know it's the Bradbury situation. If we we manage to Bradbury our way through, yep. you, you take it. You yep. it doesn't dent what's happened, but you take it and you maybe that's that's the karma for everyone who, who in the game who's doing the right thing. Maybe that's what maybe this is sort of the suffering people have had to go through, and maybe there is still that karma like that karma twist coming that all of a sudden has us come through and we don't deserve it. And we see what happens from there. Most likely this is all fantasy talk and I'm still in denial, but you know, but it's, it's one of those, that's to answer, to answer the long winded question, I'm going to take some time, think about what the hell just happened. And then yeah, learn Fijian. Good man. I appreciate that. Well, I, myself, my, my beautiful fiance and I, we're getting married the day after the world cup final. But we have promised ourselves we have a, a very nice bottle of expensive red from the Barossa. Um, called, uh, it's a, a gorgeous bottle of wine that won a couple of big, massive awards. Um, and one month out, which is probably going you know, to be around the time of that final match, we promised each other that we would finally open that bottle and drink it together. So I'm going to do that and say, you know what, I'm going to enjoy this moment right here. Because I think that's all you can do. Yeah, well, good luck to you with that. <laughs> you know, lads, it's a, this has been a, a very cathartic experience. I appreciate you guys coming on. Thank you very much, especially Nutter, for the uh, for the pump-up talk. I'm going to now go and run through a wall. Oh, um, my, my, my pleasure, my privilege. Thank you very much for the invite. Humble to be. This is still, still cheaper than therapy as well, so. I'm... Yeah, it's true. Rugby can be a bastard. Like for moments like this, but we love it.